Luke 14, and read from verse 1. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, who was being carefully watched, there in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling in his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they said nothing. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honour at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honour, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honoured in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbours. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At that time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. So the servant said, What you ordered us has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in, so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. Thanks be to God. Well, let's, uh, let's ask that God, amidst all the things that are happening in our lives, lots of them, all the things that just churning around, that are occupying our brains, let's ask that now, in this moment, God would give us an opportunity to focus and hear what he's got to say to us. So I'm going to ask that now if you pray with me. Heavenly Father, you care about everything that weighs on our minds. All the thoughts that are churning, things that kept us up last night. You know about our tiredness. You know about our sickness. Heavenly Father, I pray now that under your gracious hand you would help us to turn our hearts and minds to your word, that we would be open to the ministry of your Holy Spirit, that you would convict our hearts, that you would change us, and that you would cause us to live in ways that are pleasing to you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Just so 100% clear, I'm not going to be distracted or worried at all as people come in and go out and all that stuff. So don't be worried for me. Is that okay? Can I ask that for you? I'm not going to be worried. Um, I'm really excited about us doing life together, quite literally, and part of that is having family. I'm okay with that. Is that okay? Songs are all good. That's great. Well, let's start off. Um, 
We're doing compassion today, um, being compassionate. I want to show you something on our tree just at the start. It's cool for me. Okay, so you just have to indulge me. <laughs> Some of you know what, what's going on right here. Okay, so, so here's our tree. Okay, uh, on this side, faithful, adventurous, compassionate. Now, I want you to look at the branch that's compassionate. Okay, can you see it goes out and then see what happens after that? Because it splits into two, two arms to give a hug. Okay, that's how you're going to remember it next time. Okay, you see that? See, hugging arms on compassionate. Okay, there we go, we're all done. <laughs> and it's also the biggest branch. It's the biggest branch. Fantastic, I love it. We'll keep working on all those things. But so you remember it. Faithful, adventurous, compassionate. Passionate. Okay, great. Brilliant. You're all awesome. um, I want to tell you a story. I was, um, I was watching TV, I don't know, at some point this week. Do you, does anyone know who this guy is? Anyone seen him before? Probably can't make him out. It's a guy called Simon Reeve. He does a done a series of shows, uh, Tropic of Cancer he's done, and Tropic of Capricorn. And basically what he's done, he's just gone, I'm going to go right the way around the world on this parallel. And I'm going to visit every country right the way around the world, this way. And then he did it up the top on the other side of the equator. Okay, really cool show. He's a very interesting guy. Um, he's pretty fearless, so he just kind of wanders into stuff and kind of goes, hey, uh, what's kind of happening here? And you're like, dude, <laughs> I'd be worried. Anyway, the, the really interesting thing that happened was um, he, ca- he came to Australia in 2008 um, for the series on the Tropic of, of um, uh, Capricorn. And he went to uh, Uluru. And uh, he did a story on uh, Aboriginal people. And he did it particularly on the Aboriginal people who live immediately behind what we formerly knew as Ayers Rock. One of the things that uh, he pointed out, which we all know, but it was really interesting, watching a guy from another culture, he just goes, did you know that the average lifespan for men, male Aboriginal people, is 17 years younger than a contemporary uh, white Anglo-Saxon Australian. Did you know for women it's 14 years younger? I sat there and I went, this is my country you're talking about. And I knew there was some disparity there, but that's, that's incredible, isn't it? And I watched him walking around, and uh, I grew up in the Northern Territory, okay? So I have some background, a couple of years there, I have some background with how I was taught to interact with Aboriginal people, a whole bunch of stuff. All of that baggage is there for me. And as I watched him walking around this terribly depleted place where these people were living, um, I had this tension of all these different emotions that was going on. As I was preparing this sermon, though, I was reflecting that the emotion that was missing, the thing that was missing in me, the challenge that I felt was the absence of compassion. The absence of compassion. So my reflection was I'd looked at this and I'd thought, all, I'd thought about the problems and I thought... But I hadn't felt in my heart a depth of compassion for the suffering and the disparity that existed. I think God's going to challenge us today to hear his heart for people. He's going to challenge us to be compassionate. He's going to do that because he's calling us to be apprentices of Jesus. We're supposed to look like our saviour. Remember uh, where we've gone so far in this series. We're supposed to be a group of people who are mirrors reflecting the image of God into our community. We're supposed to be an image of God into our community. So people are supposed to be able to tell what God is like because of the image that we're reflecting of our Heavenly Father. Heavy, isn't it? 
On top of that, Matt said, that's God's will for us, that we would be sanctified, that we'd be pure, that we'd be perfect reflectors of God's glory. On top of that, we've been reminded that every home needs to hear the message of new life. Why does that need to happen? Because God is going to judge those who have turned away from him and gone their own way. So, so far in the series, we've heard we're supposed to be bearing the image of God into the world. We're supposed to be holy and pure. We know the world isn't, but we have the answer in Jesus. And so every home needs to know. The way we organise communicating that to you guys, hopefully everyone in this place has seen this brochure, yes. Um, what, what we're talking about, here it is again, giving the message of new life on that side, and on this side, living new life for Jesus. So far in our series, we've done faithful, how we commit ourselves to discipleship. We did adventurous last week, daring in the spirit. And this week, we're doing what it means to be compassionate, hearing Jesus' call to love. So here are the three questions. These are doozies, okay? Ready to be challenged? I am. I wrote them, but they're very challenging. Uh, Do you know how God has gifted you to serve? Do you know how God has specifically prepared you to be his servant? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. We'd love to help you know. How are you bringing Jesus' love to the least? How are you personally, individually, bringing Jesus' love to the least? Thirdly, who are you sharing a meal with who's yet to know Jesus? Who are you sharing a meal with who's yet to know Jesus? All right. I want to start off by saying this. It's a great statement. Apparently, compassion is God's middle name. Do you believe it? Compassion is God's middle name. Uh, If you have a Bible, uh, you can flick it over to Exodus, but don't worry, I'm going to read it for you. It's from Exodus chapter 34. Now, this is a brilliant scene. If you've never read Exodus before, it's worth an excursion. Um, In Exodus, God is setting up how he will draw his people out of slavery in Egypt. And uh, he does it through a guy called Moses, who's incredibly blessed. And one of the things Moses does is he goes, Oh, God, can I see your glory? And God says, "Uh, Yeah, you can. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put you in a gap in the rock. I'm going to cover you with my hand as I walk past. And as I walk past, I'm going to say my name to you. And you can see my back as I walk off. Cool. This is what God says um, as he says who he is. The Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming. This is God saying who I am, right? This is God's sticker on the front of his shirt at church, okay? You ready? Here it is. Uh, Proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Now, we liked the first bit, didn't we? And then it got a bit bad at the end and we went, oh, why did he have to say that? Uh, All I can say to you is, all I can say to you is, God puts that stuff next to his compassion next to his faithfulness and next to his love. And so whatever we feel, queasiness about that, okay, God doesn't. He thinks there's a way to hold them together, and I believe it's in Jesus that God's compassion and his justice are brought together. Right now, though, what I want you to see, God the Father is compassionate. God the Father is compassionate. And can I say, we started off praying, Lord, take all of our cares and anxieties this week. 
As much as anything else, isn't that the thing we need to take away at times? God, stuff's happening in my life. I don't know why. In fact, I, I could call into question your character, God, if I really thought about it. And here's God saying, no, no, no. You will know me as the gracious and compassionate God. Crazy but true. Store that one away. This is who God is. God the Father is compassionate. I want us to have a look at Jesus' compassion. I want us to see how Jesus shows compassion. And in order to get that properly, we need to get a quick bit of background. So here's some pictures for you. Now, if you're wondering what that picture is, I just want to set it up. If you've if you, if you got your Bibles open, what was the page again? It was uh, Mark 6, so it's page 1008. If you have a look at page 1008 and flip back over the page to page 1007, you'll see a title there on the right-hand side, down the bottom. It says, John the Baptist Beheaded. Right? Now, what happened just before the story that uh, was read for us uh, by uh, Mandy this morning is that John the Baptist was beheaded, and it's a terrible story, right? And so what the picture is up there is a bowl or a platter and John's head. Vivid and terrible. Now, what's the, does anyone know the connection between Jesus and John the Baptist? Sorry? Call that. They're cousins. So they were related, and Jesus has just found out that his cousin John has been beheaded in jail. How do you think he feels about that? You'd have to be devastated, wouldn't you? He was the guy who set up his ministry. He was imprisoned by a terrible ruler, this is Herod, and then he was executed by his vicious, terrible wife. It's a terrible story. So how is Jesus feeling? I reckon he was emotionally right at the edge. On top of that, have a listen to, uh, to the way it talks about uh, Jesus' disciples um, uh, in the bit where we're looking. Have I got it here? Uh, yes, somewhere. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, we go. Uh, verse 30, my apologies. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. <laughs> you know what? I'm always going to find a spot to grab something to eat. I'm always going to do it. And I'm not really a hungry kind of person, but I'm going to find food. It'll happen. This is saying that they were so frenetically busy with the ministry, the doing of caring for people, they didn't have a chance to eat. Jesus was maxed out, I imagine, emotionally because of the death of his cousin. And look what he says. Toughen up, sweethearts. Get into it. No. Isn't that encouraging? He doesn't say that. Jesus acknowledges at times life can be completely overwhelming. I think that's so encouraging. Have a look at his response here. What does he say to them to do? Come with me by yourselves to where? Quiet place and get some rest. Gee, that's encouraging. I just want to speak that to you. Those of you who need to have a rest, yeah? Some of you, it's not possible, Mandy. I love it. <laughs> uh, it, it is encouraging to know it's not unchristian. Yeah? Jesus said, go and have a rest. You guys are maxed out. I, I, I just want to take that as a little side point and say, isn't that great? Aff- affirms our humanity and how we can do it tough sometimes. Okay. So that's a little bit of background. They go, right? So Jesus takes them away. They go. They, they go off in their little boat, right? 
I don't think there were any streamers being thrown as they departed on their cruise, right? They were going in their little fishing boat. But as they kind of rowed off, people went, oh, hang on, that, that, that's the guy, that's, that's the healer guy. And so what they did was they followed them on the shore. As they watched them kind of out there, there's a crowd of people running around the lake. There they are, there they are, stay with them. Now, what were they trying to do? They're trying to get away to have a rest in a quiet place. Now, what happens is Jesus lands at the quiet place and there is a huge crowd of people waiting for him. Now, I want you to put yourself in the position of not being able to eat, you are so busy, of having the death, unjust death, of a close relative on your heart, right? And then stepping off to face a crowd of demanding people. How would you feel? All right, be blown away at the beauty of our Lord here. Have a listen to verses 33 and 34. But many who saw them leaving recognised them and ran out from foot from the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Now, you know, we talk about supernatural miracles. That's got to be up there, doesn't it? His response is compassion. God the Son shows compassion. So we talk about God who is Father, Son and Holy Spirit. We saw that God the Father is compassionate. Here we see God the Son, Jesus Christ, is compassionate. Why is he compassionate? Because Jesus sees their true spiritual state. I want you to think about yourself. Why is it that you, at times, aren't compassionate? Why is it that we aren't compassionate? There's all sorts of reasons. I thought about some of my own, and you can see whether they relate to you. I think sometimes I can look at problems in the world, difficulties, stuff that's truly wrong, and I can just despair that anything would change. You know, if you watch enough SBS World News, you, you'll stop believing that it'll end up with the fireman taking the pussycat out of the tree. Right? That's not how the news bulletin finishes. Right? The world is broken and hurting, and how do you really believe that things are going to change? So at times, I find myself just going, I can't believe that anything here will change. Second response, I can get angry, right? That's terrible, that's unjust, that shouldn't be. Or, or worse, what's the worst anger? They've done it wrong. They deserve that. They didn't. They should have. And so my anger at what should be stops me from being compassionate. How about this one? It's just all too difficult. Just flick it over. Avert your eyes. Walk on the other side of the street. I mean, we're travelling into Jesus' parable land here, aren't we? Yeah? But isn't that possible for us? Here's hardship and difficulty, and you go, you don't know the week I've had. I couldn't possibly engage in that mess. I just need to do my own thing for a little while. And I want you to be reminded, Jesus didn't do that. He didn't say, guys, you wouldn't believe how many miracles I've done for you recently. Okay, can you just give me a break? All right? 
remember one of my stories and tell it to one another. Why don't you all turn to each other and tell you're remembering my stories? Why don't you just share the stories amongst yourself? My guys are going over here. We just need some time out, please. It's not what he did. He looked at them and had compassion. Here's the question. Here's the challenge to me, right? Why is Jesus able to overcome all of that frustration, that emotional emptiness, all of that? Why is he able to engage? I think it's because he sees, as I said before, their true spiritual state. We see all of these things that cause us to rise up like that. This is what Jesus sees. Jesus sees this. For those of you who are listening on podcast land, I've just put up a picture of a sheep. <laughs> where is the sheep? It's in a truck. Is that, where, is that where they should be? Absolutely not. It's not grazing contentedly or happily. It's on its way. If, that, if the sheep's in a truck, on the whole, it's probably on its way to be slaughtered. So when you look at that, it's not a picture of contentment. It's a picture that arises in us, should arise in us in some ways, some pity. Now, Jesus looked at the people and he went, he could have gone, you are a bunch of annoying people. I really would like you to run along. But instead he saw in every single one of them a sheep who was lost and harassed and without a shepherd. And him being the good shepherd was overcome with love and compassion for those that he had made. And so his response is, I choose to engage with you because you don't have a shepherd. There is not good leadership in Israel that's helping you to love God and love other people. I'm engaging with you because you're scared. I'm engaging with you because you need to find food that will last. Why does Jesus let compassion trump everything else in his life? Because he sees to the heart, the spiritual heart of those that he's loving. Okay. Once they'd been there a while, Jesus started, you know, Jesus got up a good head of steam and started teaching, right? Which is cool, because that's what he does. Notice, incidentally, that he had compassion on them, and therefore he what? He taught them. Now, I want you to think, isn't that cool? His response, his compassionate response is, I see your true spiritual state, and what you need, my compassionate action to you, is to teach you. Really interesting. So he has compassion on them and he speaks to them and he speaks to them so long, the disciples all of a sudden start seeing a bit of a problem. Uh, They see, in verse 36, that it's getting late. And so, helpfully, like disciples, they decide, hey, Jesus, we just need to point something out to you. Did you know that the sun is going down and it's getting a little bit late and that these guys haven't got much, much food? So that's a problem. Do you see the problem, Jesus? So they go, Jesus, we see the need. And we see you. Can you do something about that? What did Jesus say? Well, he says, I see you, disciples. Why don't you do something about it? Challenging, right? Jesus, we just said it to you. You're God, aren't you? I mean, you can take care of this. And Jesus goes, no, no, you guys are here. I want you to take care of it. Okay. Well, here's our response. We see the need, right? And here's our response, Jesus. We see only money answers. Have have a listen to what they said uh, in verse verse 37, chapter 6. Losing my place here. Uh, That would take 
more than half a year's wages. Are we going to spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? So it's going to take, Jesus is going to take 15 grand to feed this crowd. Yeah? Has anyone got that? I don't have that. Not going to happen. It's impossible, Jesus. You better shoo them along. Right? Here's what Jesus says. All right, guys, what have you got? Uh, has anyone got anything here? Anyone got anything? And a guy comes up. Can you see that? You can't see the picture. It's too small. A guy comes up with a little snack. You know, it's a little plastic. You know, it's got the little biscuits and the dip. It's really nice, isn't it? It's great. Okay, so he comes up with a little snack. Two fish and five loaves, right? Here's my little tiny snack. You can have that. So what do the disciples say? Jesus, this isn't going to go anywhere, right? So Jesus says, it's your problem. They say, that it, it's money that we need and we haven't got enough money. Jesus says, what have you got? And they go, oh, we haven't really checked. We haven't checked what we've got. Oh, here's what we've got. That's not enough. So they saw too little. Jesus saw his father. What did he do? That will be brilliant. Why don't you put what you've got in my hand? And then I am going to give thanks to my father who is the boss of everything and everyone. And I'm going to ask that he would bless it. So Jesus saw his father and he gave thanks. And what happened? Everyone saw a miracle. That's what happened. Everybody saw a miracle. What's the challenge for us then? I want to say first, keep seeing the need. That's okay. They didn't do that wrong. There was a need. We need to keep seeing the needs and not be blind to them. Okay? Keep seeing the need. Secondly, Remember, Jesus saw the disciples. They saw Jesus and said, Jesus, you've got a problem. And Jesus saw the disciples and said, you've got a problem. Here's the thing. You might see hurt and need in the world, and the answer might be you. Down up. I was hoping it would be them. It might be you who needs to answer that. They saw only money answers. Isn't that right? Look, this is a terrible tragedy in the world. If only we had enough money. We don't have enough money, so nothing can be done. Jesus' question to them is, what's in your hand? What do you have? And I want us to think together as a group here who are called to be compassionate, what do we have? What have we got? We don't know yet, do we? Some of you might have a spiritual snack tucked away somewhere, which we need to unleash. So they saw too little. They decided, well, God, this is all we've got, and it's not enough. And I want to ask you, when we work out what it is that we're supposed to do, which is compassionate in this world, are we trusting what we can see or trusting in the one who holds everything in his hand? Jesus saw his father, and he gave thanks. We need to give thanks. Hey, God, this is what we got, and we see the problem. Thank you. We offer it to you. Lastly, they saw a miracle. Why don't we trust God more? I'd love to see our compassion do things that we couldn't have imagined before because we're trusting in God. So compassionate is hearing Jesus' call to love. And the question at the start is, do you know how God has gifted you to serve? I'm thinking each one of us has a snack that we need to offer to God. And you may have decided before you couldn't do anything with it because it would never have any impact. I want to challenge you this morning, what would happen if you offered that to God? The next bit's about eating. So let's talk with Jesus about eating. This is going to be shorter, which is helpful for you guys, but this is good. So let's talk with Jesus about eating. We're going to go to the second passage, which was in Luke, uh, chapter 14, the bit that Joy read and wonderfully 
uh, joyously brought to us in her description of the camp. So there's a number of sections here. The first section uh, is, uh, is really quite helpful uh, and it's quite challenging. Jesus ends up eating with somebody. Great. That's not too difficult so far, is it? Who does he eat with at the start of chapter 14? Who's he eating with? A prominent Pharisee. Now, if you were going to say who Jesus would eat with, we would think it would be all the least people. Who's Jesus hanging out with here? A pinnacle person. I just want us to see that because it's challenging, right? Jesus just doesn't only hang out with the least. This is Jesus hanging out with one of the top people in society. But he crosses some barriers because he has with him a, a person who's got some disease. I think in some of the old translations it said he has dropsy. But he had it. It meant, meant that he was swelling, at least, um, is what's going on in the, uh, in the thing here. It says he had suffering from abnormal swelling, is what our NIV 11 says. So here's a guy who was unclean at the table of a Pharisee. You don't know this, but that was definitely not cool. Here's what Jesus did. Healed him. Brilliant. Not cool. What day was it that he healed him on? Sabbath. So Jesus is eating. Brilliant. Awesome. But he's doing all these bad things. He's doing all these naughty things as well. Okay. Now, what's the challenge? I think Jesus tells us to eat with compassion for all. So he's going to talk to us later about hanging out with all, with, with all the people who can't pay us back. But I want you to see it wouldn't be wrong to have lunch with the head of the development here. It wouldn't be wrong to have lunch with the local member. I, I had coffee with a local member the other day. It's not wrong to do that. We shouldn't shun the high people in society and go, well, that's not, that's not really in Jesus' agenda. But when you go, you might do things that offend him. So that's okay. <laughs> cool. Jesus tells us to eat with humility. I love this one. This is just great party tips, okay? So this is just, you know, Jesus speaking into our life. You, you go somewhere and uh, it's uh, a wedding, right? Okay? Now, in a wedding, everybody knows where they should sit, Yeah? You guys haven't been in one for a while. I'll tell you how it works. On the door as you go in, right, is a seating plan, right? Who gets to sit near the holy table at the front? The really important people, right? The family on this side, the family on that side, the upper echelon friends, uh, the people that your parents invite that have to sit down the front. And, uh, and then who's, who's right at the back? It's, well, I used to sit on this table. It's a singles table, right? It's the, it's the people that... So anyway, everyone knows the back is for the people who only just made the cut. They're B and C and D grade kind of people, right? They're, they're the back, right? But down the front, they're the really key important people, okay? Now, Jesus says, if you walk into the wedding, right, and you don't consult the plan, and you plonk yourself down at the big long straight table at the front, something is going to happen to you, Right? Sorry? Fun to do. Fun to do. Okay. Well, you can try this out and tell me how we're going to get on. Okay, so, uh, so that, the idea is if you do that, someone will come and put a hand on your shoulder and say, come this way. I have a seat for you. And if you did it late and you're sitting up the front in, say, the groom seat, right? Okay. You go, oh, here's a free spot. I'll just sit down there. Not going to work out very well for you. They'll take you to the back of the hall and put you by that annoying door that opens as they bring the entrees out, you know, and that's where you'll be sitting. Okay? So Jesus says, instead, instead of doing that, instead of raising yourself up and saying, I'm really super important, he says, do the opposite. 
When you go to eat, humble yourself. Put yourselves at the bottom. And if somebody moves you up, fantastic. Because you can be assured they'll move you up and they'll move you down. So you may as well start low and let other people pick you up. That's just good tips, isn't it? Good tips. Humble yourself that you may be lifted up. So Jesus says, eat with humility. Brilliant. That's cool. This is a really challenging bit. The next bit says, uh, invite, to, invite to your dinner table people who are in this category. The lame, the injured, the sick, the poor. Invite them because something. Why? Why did he say for us to invite them? Eat with the least. Why? What, what's holy and awesome about eating with the least? Why should we eat with the least? Because if you eat with the rich people, with the smart people, what's going to happen? What do they do? They're going to invite you back. Well, bully for you. Well done. Just so you know, that's not bad, but it's not, it's not distinctively Christian in any way, is it? I invited my super rich friends around for a dinner at my place. It's pretty scungy, but I invited them. Why? So that I might get an invite to their place and I'll get repaid. Yeah, brilliant. So Jesus says, don't invite the people who will pay you back. If you want to be distinctively Christian, have at your table people who wouldn't otherwise get there because they can't repay you. So the first thing Jesus says is, eat with the least, eat with them, eat with those who can't repay you. Awesome. Sounds Christian so far. And then he says something really, really crazy. Uh, in verse 37, where, where am I? So, oh, no, it's not verse 37. I know it's not. Um, Anyway, I'll tell you what it says because I remember it. Sorry? Mm-hmm. What does it say? Oh, but when you give it back, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot be paid, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Fantastic. At the resurrection of the righteous. Here's the thing. Eat with those who can't repay you. Why? Ready for the radical statement? Because you'll be repaid. <laughs> <laughs> Frying your brain yet? See, now I want you to know, this is, this, is, this is deep Christian stuff here. We think we do stuff without reward, right? That's the holy thing. The holy thing is to do something without reward. And that's right, do it, so that, ready for this, you might get a reward. <laughs> now if that challenges and you think, oh, I can't be good anymore if I'm getting a reward, Jesus says you need to show your passion for reward in the next life by foregoing reward in this life. And if you think that's cheap and easy to do, you're kidding. You've never tried it. It's really hard to do. But I'll tell you what it is. It is filled with faith. I'm going to forgo glory now. I'm going to forgo repayment now that I may know repayment at the right hand of my Father. Bring that on. That's Christian. Lastly, he gives the illustration of the king's banquet. Basically, he says, make sure you wait with the king. Don't let anything get in your way. Don't let new purchases, don't get, let new relationships, don't let anything get in the way. Eat at that banquet in the final day. All right, well, what is compassion not? Compassion is not this. Compassion is not token acts, right? It's not that our church will suddenly be the church that helps people across the road, although, should any of you ladies need a hand on the way home, we would love to help you, okay? But it will be because we love you, not because we're trying to score points. The Boy Scouts, I mean, seriously, we would go looking for old ladies to help across the road. No, seriously. That was... What we're saying is don't do it as a token. Do it because it's an overflow of love. Secondly, compassion is not spiritually blind. 
So we care because we see the spiritual lostness of everyone. So that will mean we will cross barriers that our world will tell us not to cross. We will love in brokenness that people say is hopeless. Why? Because we see the spiritual need. Thirdly, compassion is not this. It is not air-dropping aid. Can I tell you what this looks like? This is when we don't engage with the person, but we do something in Jesus' name. This is really challenging. Okay? This is love at hand's distance. This is the love that would prefer to send money than have them at my table. This is love that would prefer to pay for a staff member rather than become the hand of compassion. If only we had someone in pastoral care, then we could love everyone in our church. We will not outsource compassion in our church. We will personally be ambassadors of God's compassion. Yeah? So what does it look like in practice if we sat around the other way? Rather, we'll hear Jesus' call to love. We will keep seeing the need. So I want you to see need in our society. Keep seeing it. And we'll be the people who serve and eat lovingly up close. We want to have you at our table. We want to love people in relationship. So what could church be like? What could church be like if we grabbed hold of that, if we really got it? What could it be like? Well, let me, let me give you some things. We want to be a church that knows that we're gifted to serve, that is bringing Jesus' love to the least and sharing meals with those who don't know Jesus yet. So how could we do that? I want to suggest that you need to find out, if you don't know already, how God's gifted you to serve. Just quick show of hands, and you don't have to tell me. Does anyone reckon that they know? I know how God's equipped me to serve him. Can I just say this to you? Two things. Firstly, if you don't know, don't freak out. We'd love to help you. Secondly, if you do know but you're a little bit hesitant, I want to say to you, get that hand up. Okay? It's okay to know. Pour it out to God if you know how he's gifted you to serve. Okay? So that's the first one. Find out. Secondly, uh, you might want to help uh, join Tom do their camp. <laughs> How's that for thought? I'm just thinking practical things you can do. You might go, that grabs me. I love that these guys are so crazy to do that camp. I want to go and help them. So you might choose to do that. Uh, Thirdly, do you know what? Uh, I don't know, honestly don't know, where the need is in our community around us right here at Oran Park. I used to know at Fig Tree. It was really simple. Rich people on this side, a hill. Poor people on that side, quite literally like that. That is where the needy people are. Now here, I don't know exactly where they are. You can tell me. You've lived here. I want you to help us know. So tell us. Thirdly, if you want to eat with some people, um, every Friday morning you can come down to the retirement village and have an awesome morning tea that gets put on and love some people and eat with them. If you're not doing women's group on that morning, which is great. I love you doing that. That's great. <laughs> uh, third one. Whatever number it is. Number five. Uh, here's the most challenging one. Men, I want to speak to you. And ladies, I want to speak to you too. So there we go. We're all, we're all, we're all on board. Here's what I want to say. How could your home... Your table become an avenue for God's compassion. How could your table become an avenue for God's compassion? Here's my thought. First response. That's too close. 
Can't we do it somewhere else? That's okay. We want to pray that you grow in that. We want you to have people at your table sharing meals with you who don't know Jesus and who are the least. I want to show you a picture. See this here? A bunch of people in fig tree. Actually, a beautiful woman called Julianne Jones. I was going through placing uh, in Wollongong called Port Kembla. And on her way to have coffee with her husband, she saw a woman walking the streets on the side of the road, hop into a car. She went and had her um, morning tea and a lunch. And she was driving back and she saw the same woman on the side of the road. And she said, I can't conceive of the different things that have just happened for the two of us. God has called me to be an angel of compassion. How can we show love to the people who are the least in our society? And with the germ of that idea and a great deal of energy and amazing compassion, she started a ministry at our church and fig tree called Manor House, a place to feed the poor. And this is our Christmas celebration. Bring people in from the local housing commission every week and we feed them for free. And I'd teach them the Bible. And my family would come and we would sit at tables and we would eat with people and we would share their lives and we would hear the same stories again and again. We'd hear about brokenness, we'd hear about loss, we'd hear about heartache and we'd do it week in, week out and we did it as a family. And I've got to tell you at times, guys, it wasn't comfortable. It was smelly at times. It was difficult. But this picture here of a banquet, a banquet that puts the people of God with the people of need, that... That is a picture of compassion. And I don't know what our church can be. But I want to dream with you how we can show compassion to a broken world around us. So I want to ask you, who's feeling compassionate? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we often have hard hearts to this broken and hurting world around us. Forgive us, Father. Quicken our hearts to hear the beat of your heart in love and graciousness and compassion for sheep without a shepherd, for those starving without good food, for those around us who are broken and hurting and alone. Father, may this group of people right here, not someone else, these people, may you help us be your hands and feet your body of compassion. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, perhaps there's some stuff that challenges us a little bit there. Um, we'd love you to pick up your Care and Connect cards uh, and uh, have a chance to fill them in. Uh, they're new and colourful this week, so pick them up and have a look at them. Uh, if you've been with us before, here's what we want you to do. We want you to go, here's my name. I may want to do one of these, tick one of these, but you don't need to fill in that, that, that box there again. If you are new with us, do all of that. That'd be great. You might want to just let us know something that we can pray for this week. You might want to tell us, I know a place where I'd love us to be compassionate as a church. You may want to tell us any number of things, but we'll give you a chance to fill that in now. And once you've had a moment to do that, we're going to uh, sing our closing hymn.